If you haven't already done so, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. That's where we're going to be in God's Word today. You know, sometimes when, when we're singing, sometimes when we're worshiping, I forget that I have to preach. And sometimes I push a little hard when I'm singing. I get a little loud when I'm singing, and I have to remind myself, okay, I need a little voice to preach God's Word. But I'm so thankful that we can sing together, that we can sing out loud, and that we can just raise our voices to God, and that He hears us. Amen? Like, like God hears our voices, and more than that, God sees and hears our hearts. He knows exactly what's going on in each and every one of our lives. He knows where the worship is coming from. He knows what it's for. He knows who it's for. And so I thank God for His presence with us, hearing us and speaking to us. And we've been in the Gospel of Mark these past few weeks. If you'll remember, we started in Mark chapter 1, all the way back in verse 1. And Mark made a very bold statement. He said, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. Uh, Jesus came into this world, and Jesus began preaching a message, and that message was repent and believe. Jesus said, I have come to give you good news, and the good news is the gospel. It's that even while we were sinners, Christ came to live for us, to die for us, so that we might be right with God. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is Emmanuel, God in flesh, God with us. And so Mark is going to show us the life and the work of Jesus Christ on earth. It's a look at Jesus' kingdom ministry on the earth. And so I want to start out with a question, and maybe you have an idea about how to answer this question. What does Jesus' kingdom ministry on earth look like? If someone were to ask you, what does kingdom ministry look like according to Jesus Christ, according to his words, and according to his actions? Well, I'm sure we could come up with a lot of answers. I'm sure we could come up with a lot of examples of what kingdom ministry, according to Jesus, is. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 35 through 45. And I believe this is a good example of what kingdom ministry looks like according to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I believe we can answer this question in three ways with this passage of Scripture today. Kingdom ministry for Jesus was about praying. Jesus is going to show us that kingdom ministry is about praying to the Father. He's also going to show us that kingdom ministry is about preaching. It's about preaching the good news, telling people about God who created us, about God who loves us, telling people about sin, sin that separates us from God, but telling people about God who reached down while we were in our sinful condition and did something about our sin so that we could be forgiven and set free, telling people about repentance and about trusting and embracing Jesus Christ as Lord. So kingdom ministry, it's about praying, it's about preaching, and yes, it's about healing. That's one thing we see in the Gospel of Mark. We really see it in all the Gospels. Jesus was all about praying, he was all about preaching, and Jesus was a healer. Now many times in the Gospels, we're going to pay attention and focus on the physical healing that Jesus brings. And listen to me, that's a good thing, amen? That's important. Many of us in this room, we've been physically touched by Jesus, healed of our ailments, of our diseases, of our injuries. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was more concerned about your spiritual healing than he was your physical healing. See, I believe physical healing comes out of spiritual healing. 
And so kingdom ministry, I believe, can be summed up in these three words, praying, preaching, and healing. In the mid-1900s, there was an old New York preacher named George Buttrick. And George Buttrick said this about prayer. He said, prayer is not a substitute for working. Prayer is not a substitute for preaching, for thinking, for watching, for suffering, for serving, for healing, or for giving. No, instead, prayer is the support and the foundation for all these efforts. I I love what Pastor George Buttrick said right there at his church in New York City. He said, you better be sure of one thing. Prayer is where it starts and prayer is what holds it all together. Prayer is the support and the foundation for everything we do in kingdom ministry. What a statement. What an awesome statement from a man of God. And so with that statement in mind, what I would like for us to do is I would like for us to dig into Mark chapter 1. And let's keep in mind that kingdom ministry is not defined by what we say it is. It's not defined by what we think it is. Kingdom ministry is defined by what Jesus says and by what Jesus does. And so if you ever want to know what kingdom ministry is all about, don't just take my word for it. You go to the Word of God and you look at what kingdom ministry is all about. All you got to do is look at Jesus. And you'll know what kingdom ministry is all about. So let's look at it. Mark chapter 1. I want to begin in this first passage, verses 35 through 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he, say that word, prayed. Where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, well, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages, so I can, say that word, preach, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I love this passage of Scripture. So the question is, what does kingdom ministry, according to Jesus, look like on the earth? What does it look like? Well, number one, we see Jesus praying. That's where it starts. We see Jesus praying. Now, if indeed this is the next morning, early, then we know that Jesus had a long day the previous day. If you'll remember, the first part of Mark chapter 1 was Jesus on the Sabbath day teaching and preaching in the synagogue. Jesus healing lepers and healing demon-possessed people and healing even Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus had a long day on Saturday, but the Bible says he got up. Early in the morning. And what did he do? He went to a solitary place. In other words, he separated himself from all the noise and all the possible distractions. He went to pray. See, I believe Jesus wanted this solitude so that he could enjoy uninterrupted and intimate fellowship with his Father. Remember, Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is fully divine, but don't miss this. Jesus is fully human. He he, he has taken on flesh. He is fully human as well. And so Jesus craved and needed and wanted that intimate relationship, that intimate time with his Father. I believe Jesus went there to pray for himself. I believe Jesus went there to pray for his newfound disciples. I believe Jesus went there to pray for the challenges 
that, that lie ahead for him and his walk on this earth. I, I believe that. Jesus prayed. We see that Jesus, he, he separated himself from that noise of the house, from the interruptions of the house. He even separated himself from the daylight hours to come. Of course, Simon and his companions, what did they do? They got up too. They noticed that Jesus was gone, and so what did they do? They went looking for him. Now, we don't know how they found him, but they found him. And the question I asked is, why did Peter and his companions, why did they get up so early, and why were they concerned about finding Jesus so early in the morning before daylight hours and before the hustle and the bustle of the day? Maybe, just maybe, maybe they just thought Jesus needed to make good, good use of his time and perform some more miracles. Maybe that's what they thought. Maybe, just maybe, they thought Jesus could assert himself, right? And build up the crowds, build up his following. Don't forget this. Many of the people who were looking for the Messiah, what were they looking for in the Messiah? They were looking for someone who was strong and powerful and who would come and overthrow the Roman government and reassert Israel as the power in the world. That's what they were looking for. And so I don't put it past these disciples who are thinking along the same lines. Hey, Jesus, come on, man. You got a lot to do today. You got a lot of people to touch. A lot of people here. You got a lot of miracles to perform. You got a lot of people who are waiting to see you. And when they see you and you speak to them and you touch them, they're going to follow you and you're going to build up, right? Maybe, just maybe, that was their thought process. I really don't know. I can only read the Scripture and think, like I would think, and think like maybe these Jewish followers would think. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't miss the value of prayer. Don't, don't miss what Jesus was doing. This is what kingdom ministry looks like. It's prayer. Jesus was praying. We need to value prayer, and we need to exercise prayer the way Jesus did. Far too many of us, far too many of us, I believe, prayer has become a tail light or a turn signal on our paths when prayer should be the headlights. Prayer should be the headlights on high beam so that we can see our paths and move forward clearly. I just believe that. I believe prayer has become that, that turn signal, right? Or that tail light. Ah, every now and then we use it. Every now and then we look at it. Prayer needs to be the headlight in our lives. It needs to lead and guide us in kingdom ministry. Jesus shows us that. That's what kingdom ministry looks like to Jesus. We pray. But not only that, we see Jesus preaching. So when Simon Peter and his companions, they want Jesus to come back to the people who are looking for him, Jesus gives them a surprising answer, a very bold answer. Here's what he said. Let's go somewhere else. Do you think that's what Simon... And his companions wanted to hear? No. What, what they wanted to hear was, okay, boys, I get it. I'm coming. I'm following you. Lead the way. Let me, let, me, let me rephrase this, okay? Let me go backwards for just a moment. Was it Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John that called Jesus to follow him? Right? To follow them? No, it was the other way around. Jesus went to Simon and Andrew and said, hey, you, come follow me. He went to James and John and said, hey, you, you come follow me. Again, kingdom ministry is not about what the disciples say it is. It's not about what the disciples want. It's not about their agenda. Kingdom ministry is about the will of God. 
It's about what God wants. And Jesus, who has been in prayer with God, intimate fellowship with God, praying about the challenges that are come, Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus knows what he's doing, and he's going to lead these boys in the right direction. Jesus says, let's go somewhere else. Why? Jesus said, let's go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can what? Preach. Isn't that what he said? Let's go somewhere else. Maybe these nearby villages so I can preach. And then he says, that is why, right? That is why I have come. Jesus makes it very clear that he didn't come to simply make people better physically. He came to save them from their sins. Listen, that's what the good news is all about. The first words, the first words of Jesus that Mark writes down in his gospel are the words, repent and believe. Those are some of the first words that Mark gives us of Jesus. Repent and believe. So listen to me. Repent and believe is not about your physical well-being. It's about your spiritual well-being. And if we're not careful, we get so caught up in what the Lord can do to us physically that we miss what the Lord wants to do to us spiritually. He can make you well, and that's all good for the earth. But I'm going to tell you something. This life on earth is a mist. It's a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But your soul, it's eternal. And you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And the Bible tells us there's only two places, heaven or hell. Jesus is concerned about my spiritual life. Your spiritual life way more than he is my physical life or your physical life. Does that mean he doesn't care about us physically? Absolutely not. We see that he does care. But Jesus shows us the priority. He shows us the priority. And so Jesus, from the very beginning, he preaches repent and believe the good news to me, when I read this passage of Scripture, and I see all these people, right, lined up at the door. They know where he's at. They, they know where he's at. They're lined up at the door, just waiting on Jesus. Even the disciples, they go after him and get him. It's as if people wanted Jesus to perform for them, which is outward, rather than for Jesus to purify them, which is inward. Isn't that what it looks like? Listen, that's what we're going to see time and time again in the Gospels. Is what can Jesus do for me performance-wise, outwardly, right? More than what can Jesus do for me inward? What, What can Jesus do to purify me? Jesus makes it very clear. I have come to pray and I have come to preach. He shows us and tells us, in his response to Peter, that the reason he came was to preach the good news. And what's the good news? You are a sinner, but you can repent of your sin, and you can put your faith and trust. You can believe in God's message to you. God's message to you is that even though you're a sinner, Christ died for you. If you'll repent of your sin, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Messiah, that he is Lord, and you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. That's the gospel. So Jesus didn't come to fulfill Simon Peter's agenda. He didn't come to fulfill his companion's agenda. He didn't come to fulfill the agenda of all those people lined up waiting to see him at Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house. Jesus came to fulfill the agenda of God. The will of God, he makes that very clear. So again, 
kingdom ministry, it's not about what you want. It's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. It's about what Jesus says it is. It's about what Jesus does. So what do we see Jesus doing in this first part of the Scripture? What is kingdom ministry? It's praying and it's preaching. But right there at the tail end of that passage, it says Jesus was driving out demons, didn't it? So let's see, let's see what that looks like. Look at verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. Some versions say compassionate. He reached out his hand and touched the man. Don't miss this. He reached out and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, that's not a good word, is it? (laughs) When Jesus gives you a command and says, this is what you're supposed to do, if you see the word but, or you see the word instead, that means something opposite happened. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely. Spreading the news. Listen to me. Was it good news? This is not a trick question. Did he have some good news? Yes, he did. But did he obey the Lord's command? No, he did not. Don't miss that. I'm coming back to it. It says, instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. What an awesome passage of scripture. We see Jesus praying. We see Jesus preaching. And now we see Jesus healing. Uh, Of course, like I said just a few moments ago, the physical aspect of this healing is amazing. It's awesome. However, it's much more than physical. And if you're not careful, you'll just read right past it and you'll think, oh, leprosy. Okay, yeah. He, he, he healed a man of a skin disease. But this is a spiritual healing. He used the word cleansing, right? Be clean. Leprosy was a very serious skin disease, a skin disorder. Leprosy could range in so many different aspects. It could just be a, a simple itchy white patch on the skin that just was kind of a nuisance, kind of makes you itch, makes you scratch. It, it didn't look pretty. But leprosy could also be Open bleeding sores that were extremely painful, almost unbearable, and very disgusting as far as people looking at it. And leprosy could even cause digits to fall off, so fingers and toes, right? It could get so bad that that extremities could fall off. I mean, this was a serious physical condition. But let me tell you about this condition, because for the Hebrews, leprosy was a whole lot more than physical. The Hebrews considered those with leprosy ceremonial unclean. That's what they meant. When when they saw someone with leprosy, they were ceremonial unclean, which means that they were unfit to worship God. 
so they would not be allowed to worship God openly and publicly. As a matter of fact, the Hebrews had a system in place that if you had leprosy, you had to stay at least 50 paces away from any healthy individuals. What that meant was, was that if you had leprosy, you were isolated from the rest of the community. You were isolated from anyone and everyone. Not only that, if you, a healthy person, a clean person, touched a leper, guess what happened to you? You became ceremonial unclean, right? Ceremonially, you became unclean, which means now you can't worship God openly and publicly. It means now you have to be separated. Now you have to be isolated from the community of brothers and sisters, believers. And so I want you to understand, yes, this was a physical ailment, but it, it was much deeper than that. It was much deeper than that. It was spiritual. When this man approached Jesus, we learn a lot about him, don't we? Right? When this man, when he came up to Jesus, we learn a lot about him. First and foremost, we learned that he was desperate. He was desperate. He had nowhere else to go. He had no one else to go to. He may not have known if Jesus would heal him, but do you know what we know about this man? He knows that Jesus can, right? He, he, he didn't know if Jesus would heal him, but he knew that Jesus could heal him. And, and so what, was, what did this man want? I'm going to tell you what he wanted. He wanted to be whole again. That's what he wanted. It wasn't just the leprosy. Yes, he, he wanted that leprosy. Listen, when we're sick, yeah, we want to get well, don't we? Right? If we're running fever, we want to take something. We want something to make the fever go away. Right? If we're coughing and just hacking and we just can't stop coughing, we want the cough syrup. We want something to make it go away. But, but this man, he wanted more than just the leprosy to go away. He wanted to belong again. That's what he wanted. He wanted to be made whole. He wanted to be back with his family, back with his friends. I'm going to tell you something. I believe he wanted to be back in that place of worship. He wanted to be able to worship God openly, publicly, and freely with others. And so he wanted to be whole again, and he knew Jesus was the one who could do it. He didn't know if Jesus would do it, but he knew Jesus could do it. We also learn even more about Jesus and more about kingdom ministry. We know what kingdom ministry is according to this passage to Jesus. It's praying, it's preaching, and it's healing. But I want you to see real deep into what healing is for Jesus. Listen, Jesus, the Bible says in, in the NIV, it says he was indignant. That means he was angry. I believe Jesus was angry because he knows our enemy. And he knows what sin does to us. It separates us from God. It separates us from his presence. It separates us from his power. It separates us from his love. Some versions use the word compassion. I'm going to tell you, whether it was indignant or whether it was compassion, I'm going to tell you what it means. It means that Jesus was deeply moved by what he saw. That's what it means. Jesus was deeply moved. Remember, he is fully divine, but he is fully human. And so he's looking at this man, he's looking at his condition, and Jesus knows what it means to be a leper. So he knows that, yes, it's physical, but he knows it's spiritual, it's relational, it's emotional. And he knows the separation and the isolation that this man is suffering. And so he's moved by it. Deeply moved. This man was an outcast. 
He was an outcast. He was suffering physically, emotionally, and yes, spiritually. And I want you to notice what Jesus does because what Jesus does was unthinkable. What Jesus does was unthinkable. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus wanted to stay 50 paces away, could he have just thought in his mind, be clean and be healed, and that guy would have been clean and healed? You bet he could have. If Jesus wanted to just speak the words, hey man, stay where you are, I got this. Leprosy, out. Be clean. Could he have done that? Yeah, he could have done that. That guy could have been hiding in a cave and Jesus could have just heard about it from a family member or friend and Jesus could have snapped his fingers and it had been done. But Jesus shows us what kingdom ministry is all about because here, here's, here's the kicker, right? It ain't about the way you do it or I do it. It's about the way he does it. So Jesus, he breaks some chains right here. He breaks some barriers. He knocks some barriers flat down. Because what does Jesus do? It says he reached out and touched him. Notice the order in this. Has he healed the man yet? The answer is no, he has not. It says he reached out and touched him. And then he spoke the words, I am willing, be clean. Don't, don't miss this. Listen, most of us, if we had the power to do so, uh, we probably would have said, hey man, I see you, be clean. And then after he was clean, we would have went over and gave him a high five, maybe kind of a distance high five, maybe a fist bump, right? Maybe one of them elbow things. <laughs> don't shake his hand because you might get it. All right, we would have done that. Or we would have said, hey brother, I love you, man. Now just go on and be yourself. That, that's, listen, if we could have done it, how many of us would have done it that way? Because that's the way we would do kingdom ministry. But Jesus, oh boy, he shows us this ain't about the way you would do it. It's about the way the Father says to do it. He reached out and touched that man. And then he said, I'm willing. Be clean. Jesus also gave this new man, this cleansed man, a command. He said, see that you don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus is referring to Old Testament Scripture. Because you can go back in Deuteronomy, you can go back in Leviticus, and it tells us how to handle ourselves when we've been clean, right? When we've been healed. And so Jesus says, hey, just go do it. The way the law says to do it. So remember... Kingdom ministry is about what Jesus says and what Jesus does, not about what I say and what I do. Jesus, I believe, had much more that he wanted to do. And he had much more that he wanted to do the way he wanted to do it and in the time that he wanted to do it. Dr. David Jeremiah says this, First, Jesus wanted more time to define what Messiahship, his Messiahship, was all about on his terms. Why? before people could misinterpret it on their own. Second, if the Romans learned that he was, in fact, the Messiah, then it could prematurely end Jesus' ministry on earth, and he had so much more to do before his time on earth was done. That's what Dr. David Jeremiah says. I agree. I agree. As we see this cleansed man, he went out and talked freely. In essence, he may have thought that he was doing Jesus a favor. Listen, it was good news. He, he was a testimony 
of Jesus' praying, of Jesus' preaching, and in fact, Jesus' healing. He was a living testimony of Jesus' Messiahship. But in fact, it resulted in a negative impact upon Jesus' kingdom ministry. What does Mark say right here? He says, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. I'm going to tell you, we can get so caught up in the miracle that Jesus performs for our lives, right? In our life, that we forget to stop and listen to his voice. Why I healed you? What to do with your healing? We can get so excited that Jesus healed us that we, we just cut him off, right? We, we just, thank you, Lord, appreciate it, bye. And he's not done, right? He, he's not done. See, I believe the miracle still unfolds when Jesus is talking. If Jesus is talking to you, that's a miracle too. Why, why would you cut one miracle off by focusing on another one? Until Jesus says, now go, or I'm done, be still. And keep your heart wide open and keep your ears and your mind open so that you can hear what Jesus is saying. Another one of my favorite pastors is Pastor Daniel Aiken. Pastor Daniel Aiken has a unique outlook on this passage. Listen to what he says. Hey, this is good. He says, ironically, Jesus and the leper have now traded places. The leper is now on the inside with his family, his friends, and his community. And Jesus is now on the outside, in the lonely places, in the desolate places. This is, in fact, a picture of substitution. And it is the heart of the gospel. Dr. Aiken says this is why Jesus came. He came to trade places with you. I love this passage of Scripture. You know, if there was nothing else left in the book of Mark, this is enough. If Mark was one chapter and it ended in verse 45, he's given us enough. Let me tell you what I see in the whole Mark chapter 1. What I see is that sin has broken us. That's what I see. Sin has broken us. Sin, it has contaminated us. Right? Right? It's contaminated us. Sin has separated us from God the Father. But there's Jesus. Jesus came to us in our broken, contaminated, and separated state. Jesus came. He prayed for us. He preached the word to us. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. That's, that's you and me. Jesus, he preached the good news. He preached the gospel. Yes, we are sinners. It is our sin that has broken us, that has contaminated us, that has separated us from God. But the good news is this, God loves you. And God loves you so much that he's done something about your brokenness, your contamination, and your separation. He sent me. He sent the Messiah. Jesus said, I am here. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus said, all you got to do is repent and believe. 
It's as if Jesus is saying to you and me right here, right now, just like he was saying in Mark, I came to seek and to save that which is lost, and that is you, and that is me. Jesus healed and cleansed sinners. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is still healing and still cleansing sinners today because I'm one of them. Anybody else, can you testify to that? He's still healing. He's still cleansing today. That's who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is Almighty. And He can do what no one else and nothing else can do. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what we need. We need the one who prays. Don't we? We need the one who preaches. We need the one who heals. Listen to me. You don't need Brother Jeff to preach a better sermon. You don't need this ministry team to serve you this way or that ministry team to serve you that way. Let me tell you what you need. You need Jesus. You need the one who prays for you. You need the one who speaks to you, who preaches the truth to you, the light and the life to you. You need the one who can heal you and cleanse you like Brother Jeff can't. Like this ministry team and that ministry can't. Can we serve God? Can we be empowered by God to be vessels of praying, vessels of preaching, vessels of healing? Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you something. Apart from Jesus, I can't do nothing for you. Nothing. Do you understand that? You can ask me to pray for you, but if I don't have Jesus Christ, my prayer is nothing. You you can ask me to serve you, and I'm going to tell you something. I'll serve you with the best I got, but if it ain't Jesus It ain't what you need, and it ain't going to help you. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But in Jesus, we can do everything. I'm going to tell you what we need. We need Jesus. Amen? We need Jesus. You look around this world. Government's gone haywire. Right? Just crazy. And this government thinks they're better than this government. And this government thinks they're smarter than this one. And this one over here thinks they got more power than this one over here. I'm going to tell you something. We don't need better government. We need Jesus. That's what we need. That's what we need. In your mind, you're probably thinking, oh, we need a better president. Maybe so. But I'm going to tell you something. President ain't going to make it right. There's only one who will make it right. His name is Jesus. That's who we need. I got doctors and nurses in this building. They're seeing stuff they ain't never seen before. Oh, sure, it's a sickness, but it's a sickness like we've never treated before, right? Let me tell you something. We don't need better doctors and better nurses. I'm going to tell you this. We don't need better medicine. You know what we need? Huh? You know what we need? You know who we need? We need Jesus. Because if we have Jesus, then who can be against us? Anybody want to tell me that? You think that's my words? It's not. Go look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. I'm going to speak a little bit more about that tonight. If God be for us, then who be against us? If God be for us, then what can be against us? Do, do, I, do I want my doctors and nurses to have the wisdom of God? Absolutely, I do. Do, do I want the doctors and nurses to be able to, to give us medicines and treat us, uh, to, to, to keep this thing at bay, to do away with this thing? Sure I do. But I don't put my hope and my faith and my trust in doctors and nurses. I put my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who is the Messiah. 
who is the only one who can truly pray for me, preach to me, and heal me the way I need it. I'm going to tell you something else. You may be in this building today, you may be listening to my voice, and you may think you're, you're too far for Jesus to reach. That's a lie. That's exactly what Satan wants you to believe. You, you may think I have this leprosy, right? This sin leprosy. And I just don't belong at church. I just don't belong with this group or with that. I just don't, I just don't belong. I, no, nothing anybody can do. Nothing anybody can do. Nobody can touch me. Nobody can reach me. I'm going to tell you something. You cry out to Jesus because he will touch you. He is willing and he'll heal you of your sin leprosy. You can't be so contaminated that Jesus can't cleanse you. Anybody ever get these boil advisories? You ever get those? The other day I pulled up my phone and I had this alert. And it said something about East Richland Parish is under a boil advisory because your water is contaminated. Right? Does that, does that ever just like make you go, Ugh. like, I don't even want to wash my hands anymore, right? I do, like, I don't, did, did I drink this morning? You start thinking about, oh man, is that contamination in me? I'll tell you, Satan wants you to believe that the sin that has contaminated you, it's there, and it'll always be there, and there's nothing nobody can do. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Because Jesus said, I'm willing. Jesus said, I'm willing. I believe he's saying that to you today. I believe he's saying that to me. You're going to believe, you're going to believe something or someone today. You're either going to believe the enemy who tells you you're not good enough, you've gone too far, you've sinned too much, or you're going to believe Jesus who said, I love you. And I came to seek and save you. I came not to be served by you, but to serve you. Who are you going to believe? I hope it's Jesus. Because he's the only one who can.